0: To episode 203 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host and guide through said podcast. My name is Tim Bergbeck. My voice is going apparently as I'm doing this intro. (coughs) Sorry. Um, But yeah, apologies first and foremost. No episode last week. As I said previously, my schedule was a bit mental at the moment because I've moved to Bristol in the last week. Still looking officially for somewhere to live but my wonderful best friend has been kind enough to put me up for the first week of my time living here so yeah getting on with it just chilling and we're back out here with the with another podcast episode um as always just want to rattle through some bits that i've been listening to but because obviously i missed last week's episode did obviously want to mention the sad passing of founding member and former slipknot drummer uh jerry Jordison obviously for anyone of kind of my generation, Joey was like a massive sort of influence and inspiration in terms of not just like drumming, but like the way that people perceive drummers and sort of bringing heavy drumming into like the mainstream audience. Like he was the first drummer that I saw sort of blast beat in and, and things like that. And a uh, fun little fact, he was probably one of the two times I've ever gone trick or treating as a kid. Joey was the person I dressed up as. So yeah, huge loss to the metal and alternative scene, and obviously I know it's been a week or so, well two weeks now since his passing, but obviously there was huge outpouring and well wishing for for his loved ones and families. So I just wanted to re- reiterate and echo that sentiment. Um, in terms of stuff I've been listening to, I found out this new uh, new band recently. I think they're from Australia called Cutters. Uh, they released an EP this week called Australian War Crimes. Hence why I think they're Australian really cool like uh just gritty fast punk stuff new chemical fix powerful uh power violence hardcore really cool uh the american hardcore compilation released by triple b records is worth your time so yeah lots of stuff been coming out in the last couple of days i'm not going to list out everything because that will take up the whole podcast but definitely go check out some of those stuff Um, I'm going to stop babbling and we're going to get on to this week's guest. This week was a really cool chat. I got to sit down with vocalist of power pop duo, Cowboy Boy, Olivia Maria, um, about everything that's going on with them. Uh, They recently released their sort of debut full length through Get Better Records, but we get into the conversation of how that record is two sort of EPs smashed into one, but sort of it works as a body of of work in one. We talk about how uh, the pair of the band were kind of equipped perfectly for a pandemic even though this was before the pandemic hit with uh, olivia herself moving from la and her bandmate still being in boston we talk about her kind of finding her voice in music and yeah just so much more so please sit back enjoy the, ha- the chat i have with olivia and i'll see you on the other side Cool. Right. So joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalists of power pop duo Cowboy Boy. Oh, I nearly got, got it wrong straight away. Cowboy Boy, uh, Olivia Maria. Olivia, thank you very much for taking some time to take uh, and have a little chat with me. Um, how is everything in your world? Obviously, like we'll get into the, the record and stuff later down the line, but it seems like you guys have been pretty busy like in the last sort of 18 months or so. So how's everything been? in general, like with lockdown and sort of sorting out what's going on with, with the band?
1: Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I feel like my bandmate, Mike, and I are sort of uniquely equipped in a strange way to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be sort of a successful long distance band because, you know, pre-COVID, we'd already been doing it for, you know, a couple of years. Mike and I met when we were both in college in Boston um, and then when I moved to Los Angeles, we, you know, continued to continue to make music long distance. So, mm. yeah. So I mean, the the lockdown, luckily for us, hasn't been much of a barrier as far as us being able to sort of like commune creatively. However, like, I mean, I I I I'm sure it kind of goes without saying that it's just such a strange time to. Be a human, yeah. but you know, be a creative. Like, I don't know, it's that thing that everybody keeps saying about you know, having endless time being locked up in your house to you know, ostensibly do all of these creative things that you haven't been able to have time to do and in, in so long, but having no creative energy to do them. Um, so yeah, strange time for sure. <laughs>
0: <Strange> <laughs> yeah. time. And we'll. Go- because I wanted to obviously touch upon that, like, as you say, you guys being in a unique position, sort of like, with the long distance in in a bit, but just in terms of like, I guess, kind of, like, audience reaction and, and stuff like that, like, because, obviously, we've been speaking and stuff since the record kind of came out. And, obviously, I know, like, with you guys signing to get better records, that's obviously given you a bit more of a, a bigger platform and a, a wider scope sort of thing. But, what's the general kind of consensus been like in terms of reaction to the record or have you not really been able to gauge that yet?
1: I, From what, what I've been able to gauge it's been really really exciting and I mean I don't know if this is just because you know we're sort of a baby band still or if this is just you know this incredible magical feeling that will never wear off but like anytime <laughs> yeah. anybody listens to it and you you know, shoots us a tweet or, you know, what have you, like, it just, it's like Christmas every day. It's truly amazing that anybody has yeah. like taken the time to like, listen to this, like, really personal thing that we created. And, you know, so it could be, it could be the world's biggest reception or the world's tiniest reception. And, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as it's hitting people in the right spot, which it feels like it has been, then that's kind of, That's, I mean, that's, it's literally a dream come true for me to just have anybody say, like, like, I heard this record and it spoke to me. So it's been really cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's cool.
0: So in terms of, like, the show, as I say, we'll kind of, like, rattle through, like, your history and kind of what got you into music and everything like that. So how I always kind of like open up to start with is like what got you into alternative music in the first place like what was your kind of first exposure to it
1: um it's actually I feel like it's like an incredibly specific moment in my (laughs) in my life um I have this friend who um well have this friend actually we've been friends since we were little kids um she has always been way cooler than me and will continue to be way cooler right. than me amanda if you ever hear this i'm talking about you um she took me to green day's american idiot tour when i was 12 years old um right, yeah nice. it was amazing and my chemical romance opened for green day and i just i it was like as close to a religious experience Experience as I think I ever have gotten and ever will get, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, like this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. Um, which sounds so like, so, you know, it, it, it sounds like a manufactured like movie moment, but it truly was just like, I, I, I kind of knew, you know, three or four like Green Day radio hits before going into this experience and then going to this show as this like, starry eyed 12 year old who was like sort of getting into getting into playing music and and what have you like it was literally the most formative moment of my life
0: (laughs) that's crazy yeah so you got like before that then were you kind of like I don't know what were you sort of like listening to before then or were you not really sort of I don't know was it just stuff that was on the radio or were you not really specifically like seeking music out at that time (sighs)
1: that's a good question i feel like i had i i had this like okay what so (laughs) when my when i was like 10 ish i feel like my dad just got like really sick of me like exclusively listening to like the mainstream pop that like every kid growing up in the 90s kind of like was bumping incessantly and like don't get me wrong like I will love Britney Spears till the day that I die. But like, you know, shout out <laughs> yeah. to my dad for not wanting to hear Oops, I did it again for like the, you know, 500,000th time or whatever. So my dad had gotten this, I think it was like a Queen Greatest Hits box set for Christmas. I think the year right. that I turned 10. And I will never forget my dad, like literally cranking the home theater stereo system up to as loud as it would go and playing me bohemian rhapsody for the first time and i was nice. like wow guitars are really cool that's that's an exciting sound <laughs> um, and that i mean that love actually grew a lot and became a very personal love for a lot of reasons and i think mainly i mean so i i was a classically trained pianist and vocalist from the time I was quite young and okay I don't know if this is like a universal experience as far as like you know classic like classical training like conservatory training goes but it it was always kind of like presented to me that classical music was the only way to go and it was the only way to be successful and it was the only thing that was real music and like
0: right you know
1: that that training was so instrumental for me becoming the musician that I am today however like obviously I don't make classical music or anything even close to it now (laughs) so it was really cool to see somebody like Freddie Mercury who had that same sort of you know classical training being in a rock band and being in this very sort of like You know theatrical rock band with this very cohesive aesthetic and you know that really spoke to me a lot and also i mean as a you know as a as a kid who was you know exploring my role in the lgbtqia community from you know around my you know mid mid to late teens like it was really cool Mm. to you know have a have something of a role model in Freddie Mercury you know and it's sort of that definitely you know shaped my I would say shaped my taste very much going forward especially in front people of bands like I think about you know it's all kind of like under a similar umbrella like all of the people that really inspired me have that same you know super theatrical very engaging front person quality
0: yeah yeah So then in terms of kind of like, I guess, going back onto like the, like, obviously Queen are still like, as you say, they're a rock band, but like on the kind of more alternative sort of side of things, after you like experienced that Green Day Mike M show were you kind of like all in were you like then kind of like digging in seeking any band you could what was kind of like the next phase
1: i was like i i have never been more into anything in my entire life truly like and yeah. specifically like it 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 the green day stuff really hit but then like the my Chem stuff like really really hit and like yeah. anyone yeah. who knows me is like Listening to this, being like, "Yeah, true. Olivia is so emo." You know, <laughs> it's been—I mean, literally from from the age of twelve on—and I'm. It feels nice to know that it actually wasn't a phase, and I, I
0: can <laughs> can
1: tell yes. everyone who thought that it was that it was in fact not a phase. Um, yeah, no, but I was definitely all in, and I definitely explored, you know, more bands kind of like in that genre, and then as I got older, I started listening to more, I guess, in like indie rock as opposed to just like, you know, exclusively kind of like alternative, you know, emo stuff. But yeah, um, my couple romance were definitely like the gateway drug and like a band that I would still consider to be my, probably my biggest influence. And I don't know if that's like conscious or unconscious, like. I don't write music thinking like, oh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a My Chem cover record. However, like every time I play a song like for my sister, for instance, who was present when I literally only talked about My Chemical Romance for like five years, you know, she's like, oh, this song, like I can hear I can hear the influence, which is cool because even if it's not conscious, it's cool that it kind of like still seeps in.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, it's strange because I think nowadays, like, if you don't mind me asking how I'm old are I'm 29. You, okay, so you're a little bit younger than me, but not by much. But, like, in terms of, like, our generation, like, growing up, like, with bands like My Chem, at the time, it they were kind of, like, a bit of a sort of love or yeah. hate band. And I think, like, now that our generation is older there's like no they were fucking incredible and you can start to see like that influence like seeping into people's music and i don't i don't know if you know there's a band over here in the uk called creeper and like they're very much influenced by mike em i remember like at the beginning of lockdown like i'd listened to um the black parade for like the first time in like years and i was like oh wait like this sounds like oh, creeper cool. like and you can kind of get like that influence so it's really cool to see like people embracing their inner emo. totally
1: totally oh my god that's amazing it's cool too like you know feeling like a geriatric person on tiktok right now like watching all these kids like <laughs> who are the same age that i was when i like first got really into this band like also being really into this band at this like it's cool that like the band has continued to age but the fans Mm. coming Mm. in are kind of all the same age and it's it's really cool to know that it's kind of like hitting people in the like sweet spot of their adolescence where it hit me you know yeah it's cool to see
0: so then in terms of kind of like i guess The live experience of things. Again, were you like, just were you just like really hungry for it and like seeking out like going to shows and stuff a bit more, or was that something that kind of came along a little bit latterly?
1: Um, You know, I didn't go to a ton of like local shows when I was growing up. I, I I saw every, you know, or almost almost every band that I really liked a lot when they would like come through my hometown but I didn't go to a lot of local shows until I was in college and I think part of I think there's a couple reasons for that I think mainly the scene was pretty small and it wasn't I don't think it was necessarily super welcoming to like to to people as young as I was and like I don't know I could I could just be sort of injecting my own experience into that but I don't really know (laughs) you know I don't really know many many kids who are my age like going to local shows where I grew up um
2: Mm.
1: so I grew up in Calgary Canada which is sort of like it is like if you look up the definition of like suburban sprawl in the dictionary there's just like a big picture of Calgary like it's there's there's like a tiny little downtown and then everything else is just like suburbs upon suburbs upon suburbs you know yeah. so and it's it's huge there's not a lot of people but it's so spread out that it's just like gigantic so like if there ever even was any kind of like i and i there was as i got older i got you know sort of more involved and started started going to you know kind of like smaller diy shows but you know if there was a local scene anywhere in the city it might as well have been in a different place like the city is so big you know (laughs) like I don't know it was it was a strange place to like grow up I especially at the time I think it's a lot different now I think the population is probably a lot younger and like perhaps cooler than it was when I was growing up there um and everybody's kind of like diversified their musical interests but when I was growing up there I think it was pretty hard to like find a niche that I felt comfortable in
0: yeah yeah that's fair and I think like as you say I think it has changed because I know um I've spoken to bands that are from that sort of area in the past and especially like in the more sort of punk hardcore world they say like it's still not like the biggest scene but there's definitely like a group of like younger sort of people that are coming through and sort of wanting to create something there. So, but I guess that kind of goes with, with anything, like you go through waves of generations, like wanting to create something and then it fades off and you've got to wait for the next wave. Totally.
1: Totally. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I'm sure there was like tons of awesome bands, like operating in Calgary. Like when I lived there, like I probably just didn't have my finger on the pulse of them, you know?
0: Yeah. So just to backtrack a little bit in terms of kind of like your sort of exploration into music as you say like you did like classical piano and and classical singing and stuff like that so was that i don't want to say that was something that was like forced upon you but was that something that like your family like kind of were like oh give this a go or i don't know have you always been musically inclined that it was something that you wanted to kind of actively pursue
1: i think it was a little bit of both um So my my parents are both like first generation Canadians. So they both are like children of immigrants. And my mom specifically when she was growing up was really wanted to like take piano lessons and like never had the opportunity to do that really. Um, So that was something, you know, from kind of from what she's told me that's something that was really important to her, you know, having the means to, to do that, you know, as a parent you know, giving her kids the option to essentially take or leave music lessons, right? So right, I yeah. you know, and I think I think there's a learning curve with everything I, I actually in a in a weird sort of full circle turn of events, I myself ended up spending several years like teaching piano and voice. Um,
0: oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah,
1: which is cool but it was and it it was cool because i feel like i kind of got to know sort of like my childhood self better in a weird way like there's such a steep learning curve when you're like a little kid who's yeah essentially being you know gently strong-armed into sitting at the piano for 30 minutes a day or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know like it it's it's so not fun until it is fun at least you know in my experience and the experience of a lot of my students it's like until it clicks it's like pulling teeth and then it clicks and it's like the most fun shit you've ever done in your life. And I think I was lucky enough to have that sort of realization early on enough that I didn't get frustrated enough to quit, I guess. And I think too, like, I, I, I really like piano and I really appreciate if I write, I write almost everything actually on piano, like the Cowboy Boy record was like pretty much exclusively written on piano, which is hilarious to think about now, but um, having that as a tool is awesome, but but learning to sing and like getting really excited and like passionate about singing is like the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, yeah. And honestly, I don't even really know How or when i like realized that it was like something i was good at but i don't think i realized it on my own like i feel like someone told me like i feel like my parents told me or my piano teacher told me or whatever somebody was like you should take voice lessons and i was like okay um so (laughs) thanks to whoever that was because you you did a good thing
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and just in terms of because like you say kind of going full circle like I don't know obviously like how old your students are but do they know that you're like you were in a band or was that something you kind of kept separate um
1: for the most part I kept it pretty separate but I actually have one student um so I kind of like I I've kind of transitioned out of teaching well completely now I guess but for the last couple of years I held on to one student and she didn't know she was my only student um (laughs) the only reason I held on to her is because I had been with her since the beginning and she was like she's awesome and so cool and like reminds me a lot of myself and I don't think that she will necessarily end up you know being a you know career musician I think that she's like such a little brainiac that she's probably going to like, you know, <laughs> yeah. find the cure for cancer or something. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, her parents are both really cool. And um, they are big music lovers and music makers as well. Um, so it kind of circumstantially, I think, you know, kind of, you know, got brought up in conversation a number of times. And they they are, you know, kind of, in the midst of a life transition i think they're moving and a whole bunch of other stuff so we recently finished finished our lessons for good um and th- uh we talked a little bit about the band in her last lesson and then i ended up like checking my band camp emails or something and their family had like bought a bunch of copies of the record
0: oh that's pretty yeah, cool. very
1: very very wholesome
0: wholesome stuff <laughs> That's yeah definitely yeah
1: very cute um yeah i don't know i don't know i i would feel weird about her hearing the band probably because she's still pretty young but like <laughs> yeah. she's not my kid so <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so then in terms of like further kind of like musical exploration and stuff like have you ever dabbled with any other instruments or has kind of like piano and like voice been the ones that you have kind of like honed and stuck with, or have you kind of dabbled with other things along the way?
1: Yeah. I, pl- I play guitar well enough to like write on guitar. Um, I, j- I, I, yeah. I don't prefer it, but it's, it, it feels like like poorly speaking a second language, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but I can, yeah. I can like find my way around guitar. Okay um that's I mean that's pretty much it honestly like as far as like learning new instruments goes it's pretty much those three I've I've had to like I don't know if this counts but I've had to like muddle through learning how to like demo things out on the computer um (laughs) which Yeah, yeah for whatever reason like really doesn't come naturally to me but um obviously is like a pretty pretty necessary skill um at this point so yeah. But other than that, I don't, I don't play any other instruments.
0: Yeah. So then in terms of kind of like, again, like your kind of exploration into sort of, I guess, more of the playing side of things, like, obviously we know you now as doing the, the vocals for Cowboy Boy, but like, Have you kind of been part of, like, other bands or, like, done sort of, like, I don't know, like, solo vocal stuff? Like, what's kind of been the journey in that side of things?
1: So, I had a voice teacher in college who told me that... So, okay, so when I got to college, I had literally barely ever at all explored any sort of, like like vocal performance outside of this sort of like classical world that I had been raised in. Like, right. I knew I loved rock music. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I would like, you know, play guitar and like record, you know, covers of myself singing, you know, whatever, whatever song, but never really saw a song from like beginning to like fruition and in a in a like real right out yeah, sense. yeah um so I got to college and I had this this voice teacher in my freshman year who told me that in order to find your voice you had to like find your own kind of like you know individual voice you had to just mimic everybody you like and see what sticks and I was like huh interesting so I pretty much like <laughs> spent that whole year just like doing just just like researching it felt like like just learning a bunch of different stuff basically just like it sounds so silly but like literally like perfecting impressions of other artists so that I could then figure out who the hell I was I guess if that makes sense yeah and it really did take a long time and you know in college I was in a bunch of different bands um but they were all sort of like, I, I, I didn't have like, I didn't have the sort of like front person role that I like wanted to have. And by that time I right. was doing a lot more exploring as far as like songwriting goes and, you know, had like my modest little, you know, catalog of, of half finished you know pop punk songs in my back pocket and didn't really know what to do with them and it was only after sort of like the dissolution of a couple of these other sort of like doomed projects that cowboy boy was kind of like born from the ashes of these other like failed attempts at like being in a band um So, I mean, and all of that stuff was really cool and really formative. And I don't think Cowboy Boy would have ever happened had it not been for these other projects. But also, like, I'm really glad that those other bands broke up, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But so in terms of that, like, were they just sort of like just college bands or did you kind of like go and do shows with them? Like, what were were they... As I say, were there things that ever kind of got off the ground or not really?
1: Um, Not really. I mean, yeah, no, not really. I would, it was like, I would play with people who were like, you know, becoming more successful in their other projects, but for whatever reason, like the projects that like I had a hand in, like it just, it it was a lot of like wanting to get off the ground with projects that were kind of like too niche to like ever really get off the ground um okay yeah and i i think that again such a learning experience and i've seen so many bands now like sort of like i'll like hear a band and i'll be like oh that's what we were trying to do but this is like way better than like the <laughs> shit that we were doing at the time you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it also like something something that feels really cool about cowboy boys i kind of feel like it it was born out of like for the first time ever like me not trying to write a song in a specific style like just like mm. writing whatever I wanted to write and kind of like letting this letting the music like dictate what it wanted to be as opposed to me being like okay now I'm gonna write a surf rock song like now I'm gonna write a new wave song now I'm gonna write a indie rock yeah. whatever you know it was just like, oh no, this is this is what this thing wants to be, and I'm gonna let the people who hear it tell me what it is, as opposed to me forcing forcing it onto them. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no it definitely makes sense. And I think like in terms of of that, like just with the kind of songwriting side of things, again, I guess because obviously, like with your sort of like classical background, there's probably something that's kind of come into it but when you were in college did you kind of find obviously as you as you mentioned there like you kind of like did all this research of like all these other people were mimicking them before finding your own voice but the actual like songwriting process did that come quite easy for you or was it something that again you kind of like was trial by error until you got to the point with cowboy boy (sighs)
1: That's a good question. I, you know, I, I, I have, I had sort of been writing all of my life, but I don't think that I ever, like, I I never, like, recorded an album of, like, original songs when I was, like, growing up, if that makes sense. Like, I had always been writing, I'd always been writing lyrics, I'd always been, like, you know, writing melodies and, like, accompanying myself, you know, on the piano or whatever, but I never, like, I was never, like, I don't think I could get past the concept of like oh if I'm writing this song on the piano and singing along with it like this has to be a piano ballad and only a piano ballad whereas like obviously yeah at this point not the case right like but I, <laughs> yeah. but it took you know it took a more sort of like 360 view I think of music to get to that place like and that I think came from both like listening to new stuff meeting a bunch of people in college who were like such incredible songwriters and like doing all this crazy shit that i would have never been exposed to had i like stayed in my hometown and you know it was it was Mm. it was a like i am i am so much a product of like all of these other you know really incredible like outside influences I think as everybody is but I, I I feel a lot of like reverence for the musicians that I have met in my life who have sort of like let me into their you know creative circles and let me like learn from them um so yeah, yeah I think yeah so in answer to your question it was definitely a a very new experience to like see a song from its inception to like being a finished piece of music
2: yeah yeah, and like
1: creating in a collaborative way was very different than anything I had done before but it was like it was like opening my eyes for the first time like being in a room with like a bunch of people and me being like here's this demo like here's kind of what I'm hearing and the people around me being able to like articulate that in a way that I couldn't necessarily like mechanically do on my own I was like Mm. this is the best shit ever of all time so yeah I think yeah very a learning curve but not like a steep or painful learning curve
0: Yeah, 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 (laughs) that's cool, (laughs) and you mentioned obviously earlier, like, it wasn't until you got to, kind of, college that you would go into the more, sort of, like, local shows and stuff, and obviously, like, I've, just from, like, being across the pond and looking from afar, like, I know that Boston is, sort of, like, an area that has this, like, really cool, specific, like, so, I love punk and hardcore, like, that's my bread and butter, so I know, like, Boston obviously has, like, a huge pedigree for that, But I guess when you kind of got there and sort of like were experienced, like experiencing like the music scene in then like, I don't know, did that then kind of shape, I don't want to say shape what Cowboy Boy became, but like, did that kind of like push you more in that direction of like, oh yeah, we definitely want to be like an alternative rock band rather than, I don't know, like your classic, like sugar-coated pop punk sort of thing. Like, did that kind of, and like that kind of getting more experience of like going to live shows and stuff, did that kind of change how you sort of wanted to approach music?
1: That's a good question. I think I think <clears throat> in a sense that it became a more sort of like democratic feeling, more like attainable feeling concept to like be in a band. Yeah. Like DIY in its you know purest form is like so incredibly. Empowering, or like it, it should be, you know, like when you take all of the whatever, like the politics and the bureaucracy and what have you, like out of DIY, like it's literally like, hey, you see this like really cool shit that we're doing, like you can do this too. It's like really easy. So I don't think I'd ever really experienced that before because there always felt like there was this sort of like you know pretty like you know steep like barrier to entry as far as like being, you know, being in a band or like playing music like until I got to college I didn't really understand that like it really was possible for like me to just like decide to start a band and like start playing shows, yeah. you know but as for as to like shaping the type of music that I want to wanted to play I think it did in the sense that I you know I definitely dabbled in playing in some bands that were like probably not necessarily what I would like bands that i wouldn't have been in like i wouldn't have i wouldn't have started the bands that i ended up in if that makes sense like genre wise it would probably not have shaken out that way but you know it's interesting like i i well i want to preface this by saying i have like so many incredible musician friends in boston who are still in boston who are all in like super sick bands who have been nothing but like like I'm, I'm literally, I feel so incredibly lucky because I'm like the world's most supported person, um, artistically and just like personally, you know, so I feel very lucky, but I always did kind of feel like maybe genre wise, I didn't really know where I fit with Cowboy Boy, like, you know, and like, it's not like it's like super crazy out there music, but I was always like, huh like which of my friends bands do i sound like like which of my friends bands would i go on tour <laughs> yeah. with? you know and i could like never really find an answer and i was I, I kind of was like huh well i wonder about like you know i wonder if maybe this this you know it'll th- the answer to that question will like miraculously become clear when i like move to the west coast and then it didn't you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't really know um I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think. I mean, I. I think obviously, my environment shaped what I was doing tremendously. But I don't know about like. I, I don't know if it shaped the type of band necessarily that I was in.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Um, so if we kind of get onto like the formation of Cowboy Boy, obviously, like it's you and Mike that are the the key components, but. Obviously, I know like Mike now does the majority of like the guitars, bass and, and drums. But when you kind of first started, was that a hurdle? Or did, did you want it to be a fuller band? And then you kind of realised, like, oh, no, we can do this, just the two of us? Like, where did that kind of all start, start from?
1: You know, I don't think I ever really conceived of Cowboy Boy being anything more than Mike and I. Um, okay. Which is which is cool. And I think the reason why it happened that way is because I'd been in, you know, these, these other bands and, you know, sort of been burned out on, you know, sort of being, being, you know, beholden to like somebody else's vision, I guess. Um, And so, you know, Mike and I had been close friends for a long time and like, I would encourage anyone who's listening to this to like go look at you know listen to mike's other projects besides cowboy boy too like mike is incredible he's such an incredible musician like just blows me away constantly um and so it was really like asking him if he wanted to start making music with me was like asking him out on a first date or something like i was like <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> please, say yes, please say yes um and i'm so lucky that he did uh i think that um I think that we just I don't know I've never had the experience of like you know demoing something out or you know writing writing or, or jumping on a zoom call with Mike and being like okay so like here's what I want the guitars to do here like you know here's what I'm picturing this sounding like like sonically like here's what I want to be happening and then he'll be like oh yeah, like I demoed this thing out and it sounds exactly like what you just said,
2: you know? Yeah, so, yeah. and
1: and it's always kind of been that way. Um, yeah, so I never really I never really felt like we needed to be more than just me and him. And I think that, you know, we've had so many wonderful experiences with like people who have collaborated along the way um, as far as like playing live, you know, we have a ton of awesome friends yeah. who've, you know, jumped in to, to play with us. And it's always been an incredible experience. And, you know, we've collaborated with, you know, visual artists, specifically, um, our good friend Ellie, who has done a bunch of amazing work for us, you know, the entire time that we've been a band and that stuff is all awesome. And I, I love collaborating that way, but as far as like actually conceiving of these songs, it's always just going to be me and Mike
0: Yeah, that's cool. So that was going to be my next question in terms of kind of like how you kind of work things out live. Like this might be more of a question to put to Mike, I don't know, but because obviously he's the one that's obviously playing the instruments and and things like that, is it just a case of like drafting in like who's available at the time for when you you do live shows or have you got like, like as you say, like a specific group of people that you can pull upon and then... I don't know, does Mike always go with guitar or does he kind of switch what instruments he plays live? How does that kind of dynamic work?
1: That's a good question. Um, Mike has always played lead guitar. I'd be so curious to see if he, like, ever wanted to play anything else. I'm going to... I'm literally going to ask him that tomorrow. I'll be like, hi, I was thinking about something interesting. Um, but we were... I mean, when I say that, like, I am truly, like, the most supported person ever, like, I... I am so spoiled. I just had this, like when I lived in Boston, like I just had this wealth of incredible musicians that I could just be like, ooh, I want you, 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 and you, you know? And like, everybody (laughs) was like, okay, like let's do it. Um, Which is truly like something that is so singularly incredible and also something that like, I never, ever, ever want to take for granted, especially now living on the West coast, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to sort of move here with this sort of pod of people that I had met in college um, and sort of that pod has grown to include people that they know etc so I still have this little kind of like satellite pod of you know awesome musicians but it's definitely not to the same degree that it was um, in Boston and I don't know if that's just because we were all like in college or freshly out of college and we weren't all just like adults who like have our own lives you know or if it's yeah yeah just I mean I think it's I think it's both you know I think it's the sheer number of just like awesome musicians who who I could just call up you know in in Boston mm. um but yeah yeah there's definitely like there's definitely people who are like ride or dies and I think I think I've sort of sort of like built or like am building my like team of ride or die people to play with me like in LA, um, which is awesome. And like a huge relief uh, because I mean, when it's, when it feels safe and when everybody's comfortable and when it's not going to like put people's health at risk, like I would love to start playing live again. Um, So it feels like a relief to, you know, flip through my mental Rolodex of people and be like, okay, I have people I can hit up when, when, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, which is awesome.
0: So, just in in terms of that, like in terms of obviously, I know at the moment it's not a possibility, but like in terms of kind of getting quote unquote show ready sort of thing, do you then kind of like bring the people in that you know that are going to sort of like I guess like as you say like fill in and bass fill on in on drums. And kind of like run through the set, or do you kind of send them the songs beforehand and be like, yo, this is what the set's gonna be? Like, I don't know, like, is it a case of like when you're on? Obviously, I know like latterly is probably a bit different, but like when you first started doing it was it like you did practice before getting on stage or like getting on stage was the first time you guys were playing together sort of thing? we would
1: definitely have like like band practices we have we have like all of the songs we have like charts for all of the songs which is obviously really helpful okay, and like cool. such an unbearably music school thing to say but it's true because <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. it'd be so much more difficult I think if we didn't but um yeah and you know you start to like you start to kind of play with the same people a couple times and you know you introduce the occasional new song or what have you but for the most part it be, it becomes like it, it it feels like I have like the the biggest band in the world kind of in the sense that like because <laughs> yeah. all of these people were like homies before we played together like it really did feel like you were just like showing up to band practice like it's it's i've i've been in situations as well where it's sort of a more you know like can you fill in for this one show and it's this sort of like you know very professional sort of like transactional thing which is awesome and still has its place but the way that i'm most comfortable is you know operating in a situation that kind of feels more like like a like a like a like a like a band Like a real band situation,
0: yeah, 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 no, no, that's cool. Yeah, and then just in terms of kind of you mentioned earlier, obviously, like you kind of were always sort of like seeking that kind of like front person sort of vibe, and like nothing kind of like quite fit until sort of you kind of got to Cowboy Boy, and then I guess obviously like recording and and doing it live is something that's completely different, so. I guess, like, your kind of first early experiences of doing things live, like, I don't know, how did you kind of, like, not the, it was like, oh, I've arrived sort of thing, but, like, was it that, like, clicked moment of, like, no, this is definitely what I want to do sort of thing? Like, because, I don't know, like, I've, I've found, like, different people have different experiences when they get on stage. Like, it's kind of like that flight, fight or flight sort of reaction. So, I don't know, what what was your kind of, like, early experiences of getting on stage and kind of realizing like the dreams yeah that's
1: a good question um I feel like up until that point the projects that I had had performed live with I sort of had the opportunity to kind of just like be really silly and like be kind of like theatrical and not take myself too seriously and it was a lot of fun to sort of like hone my performance skills in an environment like that but then like i mean in cowboy boy like i'm just like i'm just like standing up there and it's just me and it's not funny like there's nothing but you know what i mean it's such a different vibe it's so earnest and it's very scary to be like who would like to listen to my diary today like you know it's very (laughs) strange so I don't, I don't know that I had that moment of like, yes, this is exactly where I want to be. Like musically I did. Like I was like, yes, these songs are so true to who I am and like this artistic vision is finally like all mine and like so streamlined to like exactly what I want it to be. But as far as like performing the songs live, like, I don't know, if like not to get too heavy and personal, but like, it it's 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 hard. Like it's emotionally difficult. Mm. Um, especially this new record. Like prior to the lockdown, we played a couple shows where we played some of the new songs, and I straight up like had intense emotional reactions before yeah, yeah. even playing the shows. Um, and I wasn't. I honestly wasn't expecting that. Um, And I'm curious to see how it's going to feel to like compound that feeling on top of playing shows again for the first time in such a long time, you know, and just seeing seeing the emotional reaction, frankly. And like, you know, Mm. so much of my process as a songwriter is sort of just about like internal exploration and just being like. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? You know like let me <laughs> yeah. let me write about it and make everybody listen to me be really sad um <laughs> you know, so as much as I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a little bit uncomfy to like go back to performing these songs live, um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to like walk through the fire of that feeling
0: mm. yeah, and another thing that you you mentioned briefly earlier is kind of like having having sort of Freddie Mercury as, as someone that's obviously as a as a gay man that was kind of not, not necessarily like saying he was an idol but like someone that is in that LGBTQI play plus sort of world and you saying like your own kind of like exploration into that and and things like that so obviously like feel free to sort of talk about this as much and as much, little as you want but like how do you kind of feel like through music you've been able to kind of explore that side of yourself and where do you kind of see yourself now in, in that world, if that makes sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah. that definitely makes sense. I mean, I identify as a queer person. Um, and Mm. I'm, you know, I, I like out to, to most people, I think that, that know me. Um, and i feel like those themes are definitely present in the music and you know like you know that's that's a good question as far as like the like exploration aspect of it i i i have always kind of felt maybe that it's like it's like an identity that I would that I want to wear but it doesn't always feel like it fits I almost like feel like maybe you know you know how like there are bands whose you know sexuality or like gender expression or whatever is like so central to the art that they make and it's like this like incredible you know courageous thing I I just feel like I've never been able to like really sit in that and be like yes I am you know a queer person and you know that yeah and I I I sort of have always felt like yeah I don't know I don't know if it's if it's gonna become something that I explore more artistically like it's obviously like it's not a secret like I'm you know I I think (laughs) I think it's I think it's it's pretty clear, especially the people who you know who know me and who who listen to the band. Like you know, I, it's not a, it's not a secret that I identify the way I, I identify. But I'm curious to see if if it ever sort of like you know takes takes more precedence in in the music itself or like lyrically or whatever. Like
0: you yeah, know, there's that.
1: Like I, I I I don't think that there's too many songs on the record that are super specific with like gendered pronouns so it could potentially be ambiguous you know the like who i'm writing the song about or whatever so mm. but yeah I'm, I'm curious to see if if it'll ever be something that is more sort of like central to my musical identity I'm not sure
0: yeah and i don't know if this is something that this so like prevalent in the states as it is over here but there is like this wave of like bands that are coming out that are are sort of very proactive in in talking about like sort of their queer identity and like queer punk and stuff and they have like of not like a signature sound Mm -hmm. but they are a lot more aligned with a similar sound to to you guys in terms of like musically it's very sort of upbeat and uplifting but the lyrics are very serious and I think like it's a really kind of interesting juxtaposition that we have like with bands over here in the UK so I don't know have you found like since like starting the band that, that that you have like this group of peers that are all kind of aligned or is that not something that you've kind of really like seen and explored like
1: genre wise or or like like do like like can you be more specific
0: well just like in terms of kind of like as you say like not with your music maybe not necessarily it being sort of so obvious that that you're talking about like lgbtqi issues but like having a group of peers like you said like there are bands that like that's their quote-unquote identity but like having a group of peers that like are all like-minded and playing a similar style kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know about playing a similar style necessarily, but I, I, I definitely, you know, came to Boston and met just like this, you know, this network of, you know, people of varying, you know, sexualities gender identities gender expressions what have you um and I feel very lucky in that regard um because that's not something that I grew up with um that's not something Mm. that I I didn't really have like a like a queer um role model necessarily us like that I actually knew in real life um so it was really cool to come to college and like immediately sort of like gravitate to this you know group of people who like it it was just really cool to know that like my experience was a shared experience you know even if i didn't know it at the time um and i also think it's really cool that like i do know so many like queer musicians in my own life and even like you know just just so so many bands like you know like like operating in the scene right now who have you know members under the LGBTQIA umbrella, like, everybody sounds really different, and that's really dope, too, like, I don't know, that that sounds yeah. kind of, like, silly and obvious, but it's just, like, I love the concept of there just being this, like, gigantic spectrum of, like, representation so that queer people don't have to just be one thing, don't have to sound like one thing, don't have to look yeah, like yeah. one thing, and, I, you know, I, I, I think, I, I just, I, I think that that's just, like, so cool and I wish that I had you know had more of that in my life when I was younger like I hope that I hope that the world is different now for young people who are looking for queer role models in music than it was when I was
0: yeah you know yeah 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 definitely um and then in terms of kind of like the band sort of, like, musically and and kind of, like, your expression, as you say, like, it's kind of like you reading your diary in some aspects of some of the songs. But, like, musically, it is very kind of, again, it's that sort of, like, uplifting, like, I don't want to say, like, sugar candy, but it's got that kind of, like, sweet sort of, like, sound to it. But obviously, you're talking about very kind of, like, serious and personable stuff. So, I don't know, like is that just the way that you kind of process that like you want to kind of like bring light out of the darkness sort of thing? Like, again, I don't want to make that sound too heavy, but like, I don't know, like was that a conscious choice of it being like this uplifting, upbeat music, but you're talking about like serious things. Was that always a conscious effort from you guys?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think, I think it definitely is. I think it's, it's also kind of like, I would venture to say that it kind of like mirrors probably my, my, like the way that I kind of like move through the world and my sense of humor and the way I express myself just like in day to day conversation. Like I think it's really yeah. fun and I think it's really fun to explore like being really cheeky and really bratty, but also being very like direct in my communication, you know? Like I think, I think that's sort of like the, the primary drive and you know also like being able to express things in a very direct manner that I would that you know when these songs were being written I probably would not have expressed these things so directly in like on a one-on-one basis with someone you know um so I think yeah I think I really like the idea of packaging something very um perhaps intense or personal or like I like to say like embarrassingly personal because I do think that a lot of it is like so like like I can imagine like my parents or like the people that these songs are about and that they know that they're like just being like like squirming in their seats like listening to me say some of the shit that I say and I really like the idea of packaging that with like a like a middle finger and a wink
0: you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then in terms of that because obviously like they're all kind of personal experiences to you like I don't know because like obviously a a big part of music is connectivity and kind of relatability obviously there are going to be people that have similar experiences to you but they're not obviously going to be the specific ones you're talking Mm -hmm. about so have you found that people have kind of had different interpretations of of what you're kind of singing about or do people get oh no this is like Olivia's direct line kind of thing
1: I think I've always kind of said that like my main goal as a songwriter is to sort of like straddle the line between like intense um like like intensely personal and just like universally relatable um because I think that like my favorite songwriters have all kind of like hit me the hardest with stuff that, that is sort of that way. Um, There's this Mm. like one specific song by Mitski. um, It's called Texas Resnikov, And it is, I I remember reading an interview with her where she talks about it and she's like, yeah, this song is basically like a, like a, like, like an inside, inside joke, key reference between me and one other person not like an inside joke but like an inside reference between me and one other person yeah and i listened to that song and i was like well shit like this song could have been written about me so like how can this be so (laughs) you know (laughs) like so personal to her and yet me hearing it i'm like oh this is you know this is this is a page ripped out of my diary so like you know and the effect that that has is like so incredibly intense and like that's that is like my goal. That is like my holy grail. Um, yeah, cool. which I think is really sick. And I actually like, I mean, if anybody ever wants to like shoot me a DM and tell me, you know, exactly how they interpret everything that I've written, like give it to me, feed my ego, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember I had um, a, a, a friend who I, new from college um sort of slid into my dms prior to the the record coming out when we just had the you know the initial princess ep out um and they were like yo i just want you to know that you know this record you know is, incre- is incredibly personal to me and i'm going through some stuff right now that you know that that and it, it feels like you're writing about the stuff that's going on with me and i was like ah there it is that's what i want that's exactly i'm on yeah. The right yeah. um so you know again sort of back to what i was saying you know when we first started talking like that's the goal you know whether it's one person or whether it's a zillion people it doesn't it really doesn't matter like it as long as it's hitting somebody that way like that's truly like the coolest thing in the world
0: yeah yeah that's cool and um, and obviously i said we'll kind of touch upon like the the fact that you guys as you say you're kind of well equipped to to the circumstances now but obviously let's say you've you're now in la mike's was still in in boston so i don't know like when that move was happening was there discussions of like what now for the bands? like in terms of do you carry on going like is are you going to be back and forth all the time like what was that conversation and was there ever a conversation of like should we kill this or I don't know did that never occur
1: it definitely did occur uh, um but I think it kind of occurred after I'd already moved. Like we'd had a couple <laughs> 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 kind of uh, bad timing on our part, I guess, but um still, still glad that it happened. Um, I think that we sort of talked about it before I left and we were both kind of like, well, I want to keep being in this band with you. Like I'd really love to like, you know, go back and forth. Actually, when I moved, I came back less than a month later to like play a show in Boston. And I kind of expected okay. that that would sort of be the, the tune of things going forward. And yeah, it hasn't been as much as I would have liked, um, obviously circumstantially it hasn't, it hasn't been ideal for, for that, but I mean, you know, no spoilers, but I would love to like plan an East coast tour, like when it's safe to do so. So I'm hoping that mm. we can, uh, we can facilitate that at some point. Um, It's, I mean, regardless of like whether or not you're both committed and you're both like stoked on what you're doing and, you know, whatever, like there's always going to be like bumps in the road and there definitely have been, Um, you know, but I think something that's like really cool about like being in a band with somebody that you like love so deeply is that like, I think Mike and I are both able to like, be pretty straight up with each other and you know there's no like it's it's we were friends before the band and I I I know that we would mm. be friends if the band didn't exist but like I think we're both glad that the band has you know uh persevered through growing yeah. pains you
0: know <laughs> yeah. yeah so then in terms uh, of like the in terms of like the back and forth kind of thing, like now I know obviously like you've kind of taken advantage of like things like FaceTime and and zoom and and things like that. But I guess like in those early stages, was there kind of like teething problems in terms of like how you do it? Or I don't know, was it just like straight away? Like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to send demos, blah, blah, blah sort of thing.
1: I think, yeah, I think the skeleton like conceptually was already there because it's, you know, we were able to kind of like do it in person when we both lived in Boston, but it was still kind of like the same concept. Like it was still me bringing songs to Mike and being like, okay, let's flesh this out. So yeah. the transition to like doing it online was, it, it, it felt pretty natural. And like, again, like Mike and I are, you know, so much on the same wavelength, like musically that it was you know I I think probably unfairly easy like truly like I'm sure (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) other people have not had the same experience you know and I feel really fortunate that this has been our experience um but yeah I mean no it's definitely it's definitely weird right like it's definitely weird to go from like being in a room with somebody to being like Okay, like let's jump on a FaceTime call like I'm going to explain all of the like notes that I made and like this demo that I sent you and blah 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 blah. You know, and then you're going to go turn around and do your thing with it and then we're going to come back and we're going to, you know, make notes and whatever. It's definitely a different a different process. Mm. Um but still like streamlined enough that it doesn't feel like we're like grasping at straws you know like it still feels yeah yeah you know it's it still happened the way that we needed it to happen and mike flew out to la to record um the new the new songs um and that was really really dope um so and i mean I, i i think i don't know i think when i first moved to la too, like it, there's there's so many like growing pains life-wise that that happen mm. that like there was definitely a couple of conversations where we were both just like do we like do you care about this like well yeah I do. <laughs> yeah. do you care about this you know and like and our answers were both yes obviously but life is really stressful and money is stressful and relationships are stressful and you know like there's so there's so many like peripheral things that are happening which end up being cool because then you can write a album about them but like in the moment it sucks (laughs) you know so I think you know I I knock on wood hope that you know as I sort of exit my you know exit my early to mid-20s like and transition into like a slightly more stable time in my life i hope like I'm, I'm hoping that those questions won't come up anymore The like does this matter to yeah. you you know because it it does so
0: yeah yeah that's cool and like as you say because of you were already kind of doing that you were kind of in a perfect situation for the sort of lockdown compared to many bands that were just like shit what the yeah. fuck are we doing sort of thing um, and you are one of the bands sort to of have kind of been doing like the live streams and-, and things like that. So because of because you'd already kind of been almost practiced at it, was then going into doing the live streams quite an easy thing? Because like I remember seeing some friends do it like quite early on, and like God bless them, I love them, but they did look a little bit awkward because they didn't know like to look at the camera to- and all this. But I don't know. Because you'd had that experience, was it quite easy for you guys?
1: I think yes and no. I think because these sort of like live stream shows have been, it sort of, it it feels like our, you know, our our grand debut in a way, right? Like pre-lockdown, nobody knew who we were. During lockdown, marginally more people now know who we are, you know? (laughs) And it feels like we are sort of able in a way to kind of like put our best foot forward sort of. So like yeah. I've had a lot of fun, you know, editing the videos of our lives, our live set. And, you know, like I have had a lot of fun making them look really nice and like, you know, being excited to like put this thing into the world that I know is gonna like live on YouTube for eternity and being like, this is something that I'm proud of. Um, but I do think it's mad weird like you were saying to like to be like okay I'm playing these songs I'm singing them I have headphones on like it feels like I'm recording in a booth but I'm singing to a camera (laughs) there's maybe like one or two other people in the room and it's fucking weird like it's so it's such a bizarre thing and like Mike and I aren't obviously like aren't in the same room either so it's like it's it's such an incredibly different energy but like That being said, it has been a really good opportunity for us to be like, hello world, this is what we sound like, you know? And I'm very excited to play live again and like go on tour and like have maybe a couple people here and there like know who we are and you know, want to come out to shows and whatever. Like I'm excited to like show them what this experience is like in real life. But in the meantime, it's been like a, a really great, gift to be able to be like you know presenting this very sort of like aesthetically pleasing and great (laughs) little manicured product you know and it's not it's not super manicured like it is still live it's all like one take and you know like maybe there's we like throw a little reverb on the vocals or whatever but other than that it's kind of just like existing in its purest form so it's not like it's not like Mm. a music video but it's also like we get to we get to present this thing that's very you know very that we're very proud of yeah that's
0: cool um and just in terms of like the new record obviously like that's kind of how i discovered you guys because like i'm a big fan of get better records and like all the stuff that they do so first and foremost how did the relationship with with them kind of come about
1: <laughs> it's, it's actually hilarious um, we we had a call <laughs> just before the record came out and um Alex and I were reminiscing about the fact that I literally just like cold emailed them and was like oh, okay. um actually so okay so the way that this sort of came about was um I was sort of informally speaking with James Casser, who is like so awesome and was like such a guiding force to like actually getting this record out in the world. Um and mm. they were like, "Hey, you know, like I see on this, you know, list of 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 record labels that you really like, you know, I think that I think that this record would be a really good fit on Get Better." And I was like, "Well, shit, that's perfect because I think that like not only are the is the label super sick and the bands on the label are super sick but also like the ethos of the label is very sick like just being yeah so you know unapologetically like this is what we stand for we're not afraid to t-. there's no there's no bullshit right like it's very yeah you know and that's that's <clears throat> something that not only i admire but i also like very much strive to embody um so i was like damn and I was, I was like so nervous too to so like send Alex an email because I was like, this, is a, th- this would be like such a dream if it actually happened and there's no way that it's gonna actually happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, I was living in a simulation because Alex emailed me back literally 20 minutes later. Like it was crazy. Um, I was expecting to never get a response and they hit me back like really quick. Um, and it just kind of like it just sort of snowballed from there but it was a slow snowball because you know it was the it was you know as the pandemic was just sort of
0: you know kicking
1: into its terrifying high gear so it was a really strange time obviously to like be putting anything out into the world and you know making this big transition from 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 never knowing when this record was going to see the light of day to like putting out physical copies and you know doing having Mm. PR stuff happen and you know the like um yeah I mean honestly like I just want to take a second to like truly just like appreciate it's it's so rare I think um in music or really anywhere to like find people who like ride as hard for your shit as you ride like and that's been such a sort of stumbling block often in my own journey as a musician is like getting people to like give as much of a shit about what I give a shit about as I do and like there was no there was no question that Alex like not only like gives a fuck about what we're doing but gives a fuck about like every band that's on their label and like truly mm. like genuinely gives a fuck and like i don't know i just like i i truly like feel so incredibly fortunate to have had this experience and like i just i just think that get better is like the fucking coolest label ever and like even if we weren't a, a band on their roster like i would just be like i would still be singing their praises just as hard you know i just think it's so
0: fucking <laughs> yeah sick. that's cool
1: yeah so um. Yeah. What well, <laughs> you feel like
0: I? No, no, no. On you, then. No, you, you. But like, just in terms of kind of like when. Obviously, like the conversations kind of started and sort of, I've, I'm making a bit of an assumption here that you obviously had like the the sort of newer stuff, maybe not necessarily fully planned out, but obviously you had that kind of idea. But obviously, what we see, I didn't realise this until a little bit later. Obviously, with Good Girl, it's a combination of obviously Princess and the newer stuff. So I don't know, was that always the plan to kind of merge like the two? Or did you initially want it to be like an EP on its own with the new stuff? And then, or did Alex kind of go, Hey, why don't we mash this and make it a full length? Like what was that conversation?
1: Um, I think I I don't think it started out as my intention, but I think as the as the new stuff was being written, I was like, "Oh no, this is this is an album. Like this isn't two EPs. Like this is an album. Like it it's literally a continuation of the same narrative that that started on yeah, yeah. on Princess so it seemed natural and I remember again talking to talking to James and they were like you know this feels this this feels cohesive this feels like a you know this feels like a a full album like let's stick them together and pitch it that way and I was like yeah let's hit. you know what I mean like just just 100% from the jump I, I I think we I think I knew and I think Mike knew and it clearly you know other people who gave a shit about the band also kind of knew that this was the continuation of the same story. And it kind of like belonged together as like one cohesive piece of art, Mm. Um, which is so sick too, because, you know, one of the benefits of, you know, like effectively re-releasing something that had already been out in the world for so long is, you know, nobody, nobody knew who we were and nobody heard it before. So yeah, you know yeah, all yeah. of these songs that i still you know obviously still stand by and think are so good like are kind of getting you know something of a new life um which is really cool to see um because i you know it's interesting right when you when you are like a baby band and you know you're playing shows to the same like 10 people or whatever like it's kind of hard to feel like you don't live in a vacuum. And you're kind of like, hmm. well, I think these songs are really good. And I think that these are the standout songs on this record. And I think that, you know, whatever. But there's 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 no real world empirical evidence to like back up those hypotheses that you have about your own music. And the only thing that like backs up those hypotheses is like more people hearing it. Um, yeah. Which has been really cool. Uh, so I'm really glad that we did it this way. Really glad that these songs are like, you know, getting heard a little bit more and it makes me feel good because it's something that I'm really proud of and I think I think it it took it took shape the exact way that I think it needed to.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um and I don't usually kind of like pick out specific tracks or anything like that, but this I just wanna ask about the the interlude track, Keller, because is that you and Mike having that conversation on that track?
1: It's actually not. Um it's yeah oh, okay. someone else um and it's produced by um my good friend matt uh who is also one of the best people and musicians and just that i have that i have ever met he is the best but anyway um yeah he he produced that it's a recording of a conversation that i had with somebody who is very special to me, um, who inspired, for better or worse, um, a lot of the content of both of these EPs. Um, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so it feels it feels very fitting that uh, that that was included on the record. I don't think I knew how fitting it would be, actually, <laughs> until <laughs> yeah. until both records were or both EPs were were written
0: and out in the world so because obviously now that i've got a bit more of a context but like i don't know was it always the plans to ha- like obviously i know it's, it's on princess in- initially but was it always the idea to have that full conversation because i think like i don't i don't want to say it breaks up the record because it fits wh- where obviously it's placed but like obviously you've kind of gone from being like out of 10 in terms of like upbeat and tempo and then it kind of brings it down before jumping back in so did you always want it to have that full conversation rather than it just being a soundbite kind of thing
1: yeah yeah I think that um uh, it, it it felt it felt really important to me to have and it's funny because it doesn't, it it doesn't really provide context for anybody else, but it provides context for me, <laughs> yes. you know, I know that sounds really strange, but, you know, it, it, I feel like if there's anything that I can say about myself and the way that I approach sort of like my uh, artistic vision, if you will, is like everything is very deliberate, like, you know, yeah, and so yeah. I was like, nah, this has to be this has to be on the record. This has to be in is in this exact sort of like form, you know. And it's to me that conversation is about. I mean, this is this is so personal. I know that the person who uh, this 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 conversation is about is going to be listening to this, but. Uh, um, it's literally about, you know, somebody making a life decision that you know sort of sort of leaves you out of this life decision. This important person makes a decision that kind of like leaves you in the background. And that conversation is me asking, yeah, yeah. "What could possibly make you happier than our relationship? What could possibly make you choose something else over the relationship that we have with each other?" Um, and I mean that's the thesis statement of the whole damn thing so you know <laughs> from top <laughs> yeah. to bottom that's the whole the whole thesis statement so it felt really important for me to have that
0: that's yeah. cool i pre- I appreciate you giving me the yeah the of course, of it of course. As well. um just before i let you go because i've taken up way too no, much this of your is time awesome. in terms of in terms of like it's going to sound weird because obviously like the records just kind of come out and obviously you're still kind of in a state of limbo in some aspects but have you got plans on the horizon of like what you want to do next or are you still kind of tentative baby steps
1: it's that's i mean i think there's like a there's like a dream answer to that question and then there's like a kind of like nervous tentative answer like the, the real world <laughs> answer you yeah. know like which which stinks and I know that it's you know I imagine how every single band is feeling right like there's like everything in the world is like constantly changing and like often for the worst like I feel like we've just been like living in this like waking nightmare for like two years um so it, it feels almost like superstitiously scary to like make a plan you know like I'm like well shit if I if I say that I'm gonna start playing shows and then all these shows get canceled, like, fuck, you know, like, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, ideally Mike and I were talking about um, me potentially heading to the East coast in, you know, the, the, the coming months to, I think initially we were talking about trying to trying to book some shows, but you know, Mike and I were like, well, is that safe? Do we feel safe? Do we feel good about that? Like, you know, that kind of remains to be seen, but what we can do and what I think we're going to do hopefully is, you know, meet up on the, on the same side of the country in real life and try to flesh out maybe some more songs, which would be really exciting. Um, And then also maybe even just like record some more live stream shows, you know, and like having us both in the same room, like with a full band, like with these people that we haven't played with in such a long time. And then also like rehearse for the day that we ostensibly do go on a East coast tour, you know, (laughs) like, I feel like that's kind of all we can do to feel like we're maintaining momentum, but it like, it feels like something when there's been this like void of, of nothing for so long you know like just being a band that exists exclusively on the internet like i'm ready to like be a band then in real life
0: yeah yeah and just like it's just a thought that's kind of popped into my head and i probably know the answer to this but i, I kind of want to sort of hear it from the horse's mouth but in terms of like where you stand with get better like obviously you've kind of touched upon their ethos and, and stuff as a record so i know this they're probably not like one of those record labels is like, you need to be out on the road and like pushing that sign kind of thing. But because of where we are at the moment and like, as I say, like, because of them, that's how I know who you are and it's probably how a lot of people do. So I don't know, where do they kind of stand with like where you are at the moment? Like, obviously I know they probably understand the situation, but are they like just chill and like understand like it's your process or are they kind of saying to you like, let us know when you're ready to go on the road and we'll promote it. Like what, where's that conversation, that sort of thing?
1: I mean, again, like I feel, I feel so incredibly fortunate to, you know, have a relationship with a label who is so, um, just like so, so cool and like supportive and like awesome. Um, mm. I think in the conversations that I've had of late with Alex, I think that they know that I would love nothing more than to like be able to go play shows, but I need to be able to do it, you know, safely. And there's been absolutely no pressure at all, you know, on their end to like get out and do something that makes me feel uncomfortable in order to like, you know, sell records or whatever like that. That wouldn't ever even be something that, like I can't even imagine that ever happening with Alex you know what I mean (laughs) um yeah they're 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 awesome like I I mean you know even the other day I was like oh I'm thinking about playing some shows and they're like that's so awesome and then today I was like I'm really nervous to play shows and they're like that's cool you know what I mean like it's 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 (laughs) you know they're like yeah hit me when you like have you know have sort of a more concrete idea of like what's going on you know so yeah definitely no pressure but lots of support which is awesome
0: that's really cool perfect well Olivia before I let you go how I like to kind of round things up is to ask my guests what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist and this might be a bit different because I know you haven't played a lot of the new stuff but you have said you've played some of it so We'll give it a go and see what the answer is. But what's your favorite cowboy boy song that you like to play live ooh, live? ooh,
1: that's a fun question. My favorite cowboy boy song to play live is probably. Um I think I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna say dream, dream, dream. And the reason is because when we play live we tend to open with it and there's that just like okay. feeling of like you know electricity and like excitement and i feel like it is kind of like yeah, a banger yeah. to start off a set so good yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. good associations with playing that one live for sure but i think going forward i have a feeling it's going to be pet so
0: yeah i was going to say i can feel like that's going to be the the sing-along and the sure. sort of thing sure. so. yeah perfect well olivia thank you very much for your time really appreciate it like the record is fucking thank sick you. hopefully we might see you over on our one day in the future i'm gonna keep my fingers yeah, crossed fingers crossed. But big time yeah. for sure but yeah really appreciate awesome your time.
1: thank you so much it was a pleasure meeting you this was so much fun so glad we did it thank you
0: and you awesome. perfect thank you, you. Too. Take care. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Olivia for taking some time out of her day to have a little chat with me. I know she stayed up especially late. So again, huge thanks uh, to Olivia for that. Um as always, if you want to keep up to date with what Cowboy Boy are doing, you can do so on all their various social media platforms. Uh go check out their their new record. It's really cool. I would say it's a summer fun record, but here in the UK at the moment, the summer doesn't seem to exist. It's just grey and shit. But, um, yeah, definitely go check it out. It's a really cool record. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. The other thing just to mention, we released our second charity compilation through Bandcamp uh, a couple of weeks ago. All the money will be going to the Good Night Out campaign. We've put links in our sort of social medias for that. So go check out the work that they do. Go support the Bandcamp. Uh, it's literally £1 donation for 16 tracks or pay what you want or 100% money that we raise does go to the good night out campaign. Um, I'm hoping to get their CEO on the podcast at some point, but as I say, I've just been busy trying to sort my own life out at the moment. But yeah, if that pans out, you'll get to find out a bit more about the organization and what they do. So yeah, head over to uh, justinsightpod.bandcamp.com. Again, it's the links are on all our social media as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. Thanks again for stopping by the Justin Inso podcast, and I'll see you soon.